Hi everyone, this is Rion. You are listening to Kadesh Project, an online ministry with the purpose of exploring the Bible and the God it points to. We are now on the second part of our study about the book of Genesis. We have finished talking about the overview of it, and today we will be starting with its actual content, and we will be starting off, of course, with the creation of the world. Mr. Morris mentioned in his book that it has been often pointed out that if a person really believes in Genesis 1-1, he will not find it difficult to believe anything else recorded in a Bible. If a person believes that God really created all things, then he can also believe that God can control all things and do all things. The very first verse in the book of Genesis creates a big impact in the whole Bible being its foundational verse and to its readers because they were the very first words you get to read when you first get your Bible. And this verse is very remarkable because it refutes other false philosophies concerning the origin and the meaning of the world. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now this verse alone refutes the following philosophies. Number one, it refutes atheism. Atheism says there is no God. Genesis 1-1 tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. So it implies that there is actually a God and that God created all things. Number two, pantheism. Pantheism believes that reality is identical with divinity. But we can read that God exists even before the universe began and he himself created it. Meaning, he is transcendent or above and beyond the things which he had created. Number three, polytheism. It believes that there are many gods, but the Bible speaks about only one, and that one God created all things. Materialism. Materialism believes that nothing exists except matter, but the Bible implies that even matter had a beginning when God created it. Next one, dualism. Like polytheism believes that there are two independent divine beings, which is good and evil. But again, the Bible clearly says that God was alone when he created all things. Next one, humanism believes that human dignity, individual freedom, and the primacy of human happiness are the most essential and principal components of the teaching of Jesus. But the Bible implies that God is the ultimate reality and if we will be reading furthermore up to the New Testament, we will see that God's will is what Jesus was most concerned about when he was here on earth. And lastly, evolutionism, a belief that suggests there is a change in the heritable characteristics of biological populations over successive generations. And if we are going to look at it in the light of the Bible, this is not true because the Bible tells us God created everything. And when he did, they were on their final form. The Bible speaks about no evolution. These philosophies are merely different ways of expressing unbelief towards the God who was there even before time began. 
Strangely, even though there have been so many anti-theistic philosophies all over the world, affecting millions of people, the Bible makes no attempt to prove that God exists. It takes this fact naturally as though it were obvious and that only a fool could say that there is no God. Another reason for this strange silence is most likely because Genesis was written before any of these philosophies were formed, apparently because back then, there is no one to doubt it. Now, let's take a closer look to the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God can be translated in Hebrew as the word Elohim. It is God's name that stresses His majesty and omnipotence. And then, if we translate the word created in Hebrew, it's called bara. It is used to describe only the work of God when He calls all things into existence, that which had no existence before. So it's called bara. And then, the heavens in Hebrew is called shamayim, which refers to heaven or heavens, or the atmospheric space. And then the earth, translated in Hebrew, is called Eretz, which refers to ground or land. And it speaks essentially of the creation of the basic elements of matter, which thereafter were to be organized into the structured earth and later into other material bodies. And then the word in the beginning, in Hebrew, is... Because the universe is a continuum of space, matter, and time, no one and nothing can have a meaningful existence without the other two. So the moment God said this is the beginning, it signifies that the transcendent omnipotent Godhead called into existence the space, matter, time, universe. A widely held opinion among fundamentalists suggests that there is a tremendous time gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. These expositors believed that the earth had undergone a great cataclysm as a divine judgment because of the sin of Satan in rebelling against God, which left the earth in darkness and covered in water for a while. Then God recreated the world in six literal days described in Genesis 1, 3 onwards. Now the main purpose of this theory was to try and harmonize the biblical chronology with the accepted system of geological ages, which are identified and dated by fossil records. They said a cataclysm of such dimensions leaving the earth overwhelmed with water and darkness could have been nothing less than a global explosion. For this reason, no geologist accepted any theory requiring a global cataclysm because it is said to be self-defeating scientifically. Not only it is self-defeating scientifically, it is also destructive theologically. The Bible says death came into the world only when Adam brought sin in. The fact that the gap theory claims that there is a cataclysm brought by Satan himself contradicts what was written in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians. 
It is also important to note that the next verse in Genesis 1, which is Genesis 1 verse 2, when you read it naturally suggests no idea of having a cataclysm after the creation of the heavens and the earth. And it reads, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, let's take a closer look to the second verse in the book of Genesis, and it started with a conjunction, and. It reads as, and the earth was without form and void. The word end, or the conjunction end, can be translated as vav in Hebrew. This structure means that the next statement is sequentially and chronologically connected to the verse before it. Thus, there seems to be no room for a chronological gap whatsoever. Gap theory also proposes that the word was be translated as became to suggest a change of state from the original perfect creation to the chaotic condition that they are trying to insert. Though this is grammatically possible, it is improbable for this scenario considering its context. But even if it were to change and be translated as the word became from was, it would not necessarily mean that we are entertaining the idea of the gap theory. Next, and the earth was without form and void. Without form and void can be translated in Hebrew as tohu vavohu which means literally without form and void. The gap theory suggests that these words be translated as ruined and desolate, again to imply that there has been a divine cataclysmic judgment. The earth was without form and void because it was not perfect in the sense that it was complete, but it was perfect for that first stage of God's six-day plan of creation. It may be unformed and uninhabited, but clearly was not ruined and desolate. Next one is, it says, darkness upon the face of the deep or the face of the waters. Darkness in this context does not imply evil. It means the absence of physical light. The word face can be translated as... Panim in Hebrew, which essentially means presence. This translation simply suggests that wherever the deep was, there was also darkness. The word deep in Hebrew is called Tahom, which later refers to the waters of the ocean. This suggests that the elements of matter and molecules of water were present, but not in operation. The physical universe had already come into existence, but there was no form, no motion, and no light. Well, at least not until the Spirit of God moved. The word spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which means wind or breath, because everything else is basically in their proper place as elements of matter and molecules but are not in operation, a person from the Godhead must start to move, which is the spirit. This moving of the spirit in Hebrew is called Merachafet. This word occurred only three times in the Old Testament, in this section, next in the book of Jeremiah, and can be translated as to shake, and in the book of Deuteronomy. 
The idea seems to be a rapid motion of back and forth. That's what it means. So, the Spirit of God was the energizer. He was our prime mover. It is significant to note that the transmission of energy in the operations of our universe is found in the form of waves, such like light waves, heat waves, and sound waves. Waves are typically rapid movements that are back and forth creating a vibratory motion and produces energy. It is just appropriate to say that the energy from the spirit began to flow outward our universe and activated the cosmos, the gravitational forces, water and earth particles, and everything else started moving. So what I'm trying to say is the movement of the Spirit of God brings power and life to everything else in our universe. Ain't that amazing? In the book of John 6, 63, it says that it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that we read in the Bible carry the very breath of God. That's why it gives our inner man life. The flesh is nothing and profits nothing without the breath of God. Just like how the universe was empty, without form, void, no energy, and no power without the moving of God's Spirit, our life would be empty and powerless too. The Spirit of God is our prime mover. He is our energizer just like how he did that in the universe before he will do it again whenever we feel weak whenever we feel like we don't have energy we don't have life he will move through us and we will start we will have the strength to go on in life again that's it so i hope you learned something today maybe a thing or two about uh, the creation of the world and next week we will be talking about the remaining six days of creation and if you have any questions comments if you have any suggestions do not hesitate to send us an email at kodeshproject at gmail.com or visit our website at www.kodeshproject.com Thank you for listening and join me again next week. This is Kradesh Project. God bless you.